Welcome to another edition of the Sports Rotation. As always, I'm your host, Jay Butler, and I appreciate you being in the rotation with me. Remember, you can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher.com, Anchor, SoundCloud, and MixCloud. Welcome to the show. You know, I was a little bit disappointed because I was looking at my app for my Papa John's and I saw that John Schnatter's um, face was no longer on the app, and I was pretty much disappointed. Now, I'm sure a lot of you all are wondering, why would that be the case? The guy has admitted to using the N-word on a conference call. Um, He has a background with um, telling the NFL that they needed to stop the players from uh, pursuing their protests during the national anthem. Um, a lot of controversy has been surrounding this guy, but I, I happen to like things done in the open. I like my racism done overtly. I don't like people hiding what they are. I like people know I like to know exactly where you stand on things. I like to know exactly what it is that you're for, what your beliefs are. That way I can make my a determination if I'm going to listen to you or if I'm going to totally ignore you and just go the opposite way when I see you coming. So I'm, I'm looking at that situation and I'm like, you know what, I miss that because it reminds me of the uh, thought process that I have on a regular basis. Let things be done out in the open. That way you know where people stand. I was looking at this whole entire situation with Jerry Jones and people were lambasting Jerry Jones because he basically said that his players were going to toe the line during the National Anthem. Despite what the uh, NFL Players Association protested as far as the uh, owners coming up with this ban on the uh, kneeling during the National Anthem and deciding that uh, you're either going to come out during the National Anthem and stand at attention or you can stand inside of the locker room and do your protest there or just not be totally involved with it and Jerry Jones is coming out and saying no all of my players are coming out all of my players are standing and people don't get why it is that he's saying those things it doesn't have anything to do with patriotism it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that uh, he cares about this particular issue that's going on in America it has to do with the bottom line and the bottom line is that as America's team you can't have guys going out and protesting on the field there was a reason why Jerry went out and decided at the very last minute well they say it was at the last minute but Jerry doesn't strike me as a guy who makes decisions as a last minute kind of thing he strikes me as a bottom line kind of thing kind of guy and they decided that they were going to come out and kneel before the national anthem even decided to play as uh, to show that they were aware of the social issues that were going on to show that they're aware of the social injustices that exist in our world I get it but I also get that Jerry has a bottom line there's a reason why he owns the richest franchise in the history of sports and why he plans on continuing that happening. Jerry Jones surveys the landscape, he sees the market as it is, and he makes decisions accordingly. 
He's not stupid. It's like people want him to come out and just uh, totally support the players in their protesting. And despite what people want to think, protesting during the National Anthem is probably not the best way to deal with uh, your sport. Especially if you're trying to grow your particular sport and grow the revenue that your sport brings in. It's probably not the best time. Not because people are so concerned about the issues of you uh, showing disrespect for the flag or showing disrespect for America. Not that that means that at all. Because the players have come out and said what they are uh, kneeling for. They're kneeling against social injustice. That has absolutely nothing to do with the flag. At least that's what the players are saying. But nobody's really listening because this is a political uh, debate. And political debates don't ever go away. And that's the thing that Jerry sees. This particular issue is not going to go anywhere. There's a reason why President Trump uh, decides that he's going to bring this issue up. is because whenever he presses that button, he presses it when he's in trouble in the news, usually due to his own, his own nonsense that he throws out there. But anytime he presses that button, his constituents get behind him uh, threefold. And whatever issues that he's having at that particular moment, whatever embarrassment that he's brought to the Oval Office, seems to somewhat dissipate into the background with what's going on with the um, National Anthem protests in the NFL. I don't know what the NFL players' problems are regarding this whole entire issue because they say that, well, look at what's going on in the NBA. The NBA, they're able to make these uh, protests. They're able to, to uh, basically do whatever it is that they want when it comes to social issues. And that's a false narrative that's been thrown out there. That's a very big false narrative. I think that a lot of NFL players are looking at the money that NBA players make, and they're a little bit jealous. They're a little bit jealous of the power that they have. Not necessarily the power to make change for social issues, but the power that they have just in general to be able to voice their opinions. But if you notice that NBA players are not voicing their opinions during the national anthem. In fact, there is a hard, fast rule that the NBA players have been following for years since David Stern has been in office. That you come out and you stand at attention during the national anthem. You don't have to put your hand over your heart. You don't have to salute the flag. But you do have to stand there with a monicum of respect. And look, this could all be taken away if you had a commissioner who would come out and just fall on the sword for his particular um, team, not team, but for the owners and for the players, just come out with a hard, fast rule and just be done with it. There was a situation years ago where the NBA had an image problem. Players were wearing a lot of things that um, really expressed the hip-hop background and it didn't mesh with the um, people who were viewing NBA games, the people who were buying tickets, the people who were tuning in for that particular product. 
people were turned off by it. The hip-hop garb, the bandanas worn during uh, interviews, just the, the slovenly uh, dress that guys would wear for post-game shows. It wasn't a good look. That whole entire um, generation of players that came in with uh, Allen Iverson, with, um, let me see here, Not, who, who else, Allen Iverson, Stefan Marbury, Steve Francis, they didn't necessarily represent the NBA very well when you think about the type of audience that the NBA has, which, as far as those people who were coming to games, majority white, didn't register with the white audience that they had, and the paying audience, you might as well say. And David Stern came out with a hard, fast rule and said, without... Um, joining in with the players without meeting with the players to see what their thoughts were on, on this particular decision. He said that, look, when you're coming out and you're doing interviews, you're going to be dressed a certain way. You're going to be representing your team a certain way. Players didn't like it. Players um, didn't appreciate it. They thought, they thought that it was um, infringing on their rights to express uh, the backgrounds that they're used to um, being around. But at the end, players fell in line. And the NBA has never been more profitable. I think that the NFL could take a, a, a little bit of a note or a little bit of a heat check from the NBA and really think about how they want their image to be represented moving forward because they got an image problem. And the last thing that you want in your particular um um, sports team is an image problem, not one that represents your whole entire league. Look at the M MLB; they have an image problem. The, pro the problem with their image is nobody recognizes the players that are in their particular league. That's a big image problem, an image problem that needs to be rectified and has been an image problem for years to come. Which I don't know how that's possible that you can have an image problem. And without people recognizing who your players are, considering that they wear helmets, they don't wear anything that hides their face. But that's the image problem that the MLB has. Does the NFL want to go down that same rabbit hole? I think not. I think not. So I get what Jerry Jones is trying to say. I get what he's trying to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a lot of other owners follow suit. Not that a lot of all of the other owners have the balls that Jerry Jones does because he operates in a different stratosphere than the rest of the owners, the rest of uh, the owners of the majority of sporting leagues. Wanted to talk about Twitter. Twitter seems to get a lot of people into trouble because they don't know how to handle Twitter. Uh, Twitter has become this ruthless place that people go to where you can just express your views on people in the most... Uh, rudest and meanest and vulgar of ways it's become a toxic poison pill that a lot of people can't seem to get past and it's not all social media and it's not Twitter in general because I think that it's a great way for players especially players to be able to interact with their fans uh, to be able to get their message out there to be able to market their brand but 
Twitter has become toxic to a lot of people. And I'm talking about this whole entire situation that's going on with Des Bryant. Des Bryant has essentially written the worst cover letter in the history of sports for a guy who's looking for a job right now. Coming out and having a Twitter war with your former team is one thing. Lots of guys lambast um, their former um, teams and talk about management, talk about owners, talk about coaches that they didn't particularly like. Some guys are even playing still for certain coaches that they don't like that they've talked about through Twitter. Who was that? Was that Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown who live-streamed um, a, a, a locker uh, speech that was going on by Tom Tom um, Tomlinson? I can't remember which one it was, but it's just that social awareness that goes on that takes place that a, guy, a lot of guys are lacking in. And I'm looking at this whole entire Des Bryant situation, and I'm looking at a guy who has way too much time on his hands who has way too much time on his hands. Somebody needs to go out and help Des Bryant find a job. Because when you're looking at the fact that you're unsigned, training camp has already begun, there are no teams that are looking at you, and the Cleveland Browns are the only team that is potentially considering you right now. When you had an offer contract from the... Baltimore Ravens to go and play for a plus organization. You had that out there. Three years, $21 million. That was out there. Excuse me. Three years, $27 million. It was out there for you to take. And now you're, look, you're wasting time at home calling guys that you played for, that you played, uh, that you shared locker room time with. Snakes in the grass. Throwing your teammates under the bus, throwing your offensive coordinator under the bus. That really is going to cause a lot of teams to pause and 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 wait and think to themselves, do we really need to bring a guy like this into our locker room? Do we really need to invest any time when we could be developing other players at that same position? And there's also the question of look at Des Bryant's skill production. The skill production has dropped the last couple of years that he's been in the league. And if you don't believe me, just look at him in comparison to some of the wide receivers who have um, been in the league uh, putting up similar numbers. I'm looking at Rashard Matthews' um, numbers for the Tennessee Titans. And if you look at their games, their games are similar. Matthews with 41 games, Bryant with 38 games. Reception... Um, numbers 161 for Matthews, 150 for Bryant. So Matthews wins that. Yards per game or yards total, 2402 to 20 and 35 for Bryant. Y average yards per catch, 14.9 for Matthews, 13.6 for Bryant. Touchdowns are tied in, but look at this. This is the key number here: earnings. $10.66 million as opposed to Bryant's $45 million. And that's not the only wide receivers who have put up better numbers than Des Bryant the past couple of years. Tyrell Williams and Jamison Crowder 
have more receiving yards than Bryant over the past two seasons. Tyrell Williams. Hmm. Who is that, you say? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's that guy who plays for the San Diego Chargers. In all, 36 players have more catches than Bryant in 2016 and 2017 combined. That's according to Sports Illustrated. That's a major drop-off in production that Bryant has, and he hasn't backed up his words with anything that's taking place on the field. So you have a guy who's on the opposite side of where you want to be at when you're trying to negotiate a new contract. You have a diminished skill set. He's turning 30 years old, if not 30 already. Hasn't been the same player since he can't come back from that foot injury. And I can speak as a Dallas Cowboys fan. I wish Des Bryant the best, but attitude-wise, there's got to be a lot of teams that are having a lot of cause for um, concern as to whether or not they want to put that type of guy inside of their locker room. As to whether or not he is someone who is going to uh, totally obliterate your locker room or someone who's going to enhance your locker room. Is he worth the headache at all? But do yourself a favor, Des Bryant. Stay off of Twitter. Another guy who can stay off of Twitter is um, Kevin Durant. Now, I happen to like Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant doesn't understand something. Once he moved from OKC, he's never going to be liked. He was never going to be accepted. All of the numbers that he's put up, people were not going to accept him as a top-level player. They know that he is a top-level player, but he's stuck in, in, the, in this middling position. You have LeBron James, who is the best player in the NBA, and you have Steph Curry, who's probably the most beloved player in the NBA. And Kevin Durant is somewhere stuck in the middle, wanting to be loved, wanting attention, wanting to have the approval of not just his peers, but his critics too. We saw that Kevin Durant has, um, I probably said Kevin Love earlier, but Kevin Durant has um, thin skin. We saw that in OKC when there was a big story that was printed out by one of the writers in OKC for the Oklahoman, and Kevin Durant took issues with it. He took a lot of issues with it, so much so that the paper had to print a retraction of the story. How often do do papers print retractions based off of truths, which basically said that Kevin Durant shrunk at a matter of time that the um, Oklahoma City Thunder needed him the most, which he did. He did. I remember the particular series that he had and against um, against the Memphis Grizzlies. He was terrible. They called him unreliable, Mr. Unreliable. And he voices opinion so much so that they had to come out and print a retraction because he couldn't take the criticism. And he's not able to take the criticism now. And the criticism is fair. Look, you had the um, 
Golden State Warriors down 3-2. You could have easily won that series. You had them down. And you couldn't deliver. Played some of the worst basketball in the series the last two games of that series. And he wants people to love him, which is why he moved to the Warriors in the first place. But he had to understand that he was going to receive a lot of flack for being down or being up 3-2 to going and joining a team that had just won 72 games the year prior. He had to understand that people were not going to accept him after that particular move. Or at least you would ha- you would think that he would understand that if he had any type of social awareness. But he just doesn't have that social awareness. He's trying to get love from people and people aren't going to love him. There's one thing that you got to understand. You can't buy love and no matter how much logic that you try to force upon somebody, you can't make someone love another person. It's just not going to happen. So I hope that Kevin Durant is another person who stays off Twitter. Focus on your game. Focus on getting better. Don't focus on answering Twitter trolls. Going back and forth at 17-year-olds. Going back and forth at other guys in the NBA. Going back and forth at any of your critics in the media. Take it all in stride. Win your championships. And continue to be you. Because in the end, that's all that matters. Well, those are all the thoughts that I wanted to share with you for today. Uh, Remember, you can check out my writings on Pippin Ain't Easy, Shy Sports Nation, and full press coverage. You can hit up my Twitter handle at which is jbutler at he said what sports. That's jbutler at he said w-u-t sports. Uh, remember to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher.com, Anchor, and SoundCloud. Thanks for being in the rotation again, and I'm out. <laughs>